I'm Edward. And I'm Edward. Together, we are the Groundbreakers. <laughs> All right. God damn it. Take, take three, kiddos. All right. I'm Matt. Uh, welcome to the Groundbreakers. Uh, I'm your normal host, but today we're doing a special Dark Souls episode. And with me, we got two special guests. One that's not very familiar with Dark Souls, and one that's kind of a Dark Souls expert. So uh, let me let them introduce themselves. Or don't. I don't. <laughs> he, 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 you said you start. <laughs> <laughs> You said Swagger's part first, so I assumed that he was the first one up to say stuff. Oh, okay. I assume Justin was the expert, so he's going to tell us about himself. Well, well he, 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 I was going to go in like the order that it, that we were like introduced, I guess. Like the one who didn't know anything about Dark Souls, the one that did So I thought like you were going to go first. Son of a bitch. <laughs> we need I, I don't have my script for this, okay? Swanger, go! Hey, I'm Matt. And I don't know anything about Dark Souls. I've played it for maybe an hour, so I guess I know it's a game. I don't know anything about the world, why it is the way it is. So I'm hoping somebody can teach me. Oh, so what's your background in tabletop RPGs? Oh, just, I guess, D&D over the years. And I've, I've made a few of my own little things, but mostly just as a player. Okay. Any particular, like, cool things that really, like, sticks out in your mind? Um, about Dark Souls or tabletop uh, in general? Tabletop in general. Um, I, I, I guess I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I like worlds where, yeah, I, I don't know, I got nothing. <laughs> okay, well this hopefully we I'm can show punch. you what Dark Souls is today, and, and, and what that world is, and maybe you'll be more interested in it. So, Justin, take us away. Hi, I'm Justin. I am uh, somewhat of a Dark Souls expert. Uh, by no means do I know everything, and especially in a game that is a lot of uh, inter up to interpretation. Oh, that of... is a big part of Dark Souls, isn't it? It's because the storyline's kind of hidden, right? Yes. Uh, to really get the full explanation of the stories you have to play all the games to get you know the the pieces and dialogue from characters and npcs is not really something that helps a lot with the storyline a lot of your storyline is coming from from items and spells with little descriptions that kind of piece together little puzzles of lore so maybe that's why i never really learned much about it just in the short bit i played I'm I'm looking at it more of a a typical RPG where in the quest lines they're going to tell me what's going on with the world like hey this is happening you need to go kill these zombies oh lord no this game will it will it will have mechanics and 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 things in it that it it doesn't want you to know it, yeah. it almost well explain to that a little bit so what is Dark Souls so it's a it's a very gritty dark fantasy. Uh, sort of RPG, and the the world is on the brink of, of, of a collapse, as it has been many times before. Uh, and as always, there is a what is called a chosen undead to to do what to what is called link the fire to continue uh, a an age where there is you know the age of light or fire or uh, the the age of gods. Okay, um, so it's kind of cyclical, right? So the Very. the world's kind of born, and then it prospers, and then it slowly dies until someone can bring it back, right? Yeah, it's pretty much just think of it as a as a, as a normal fire. You you at you start it off. It's very bright. It's got plenty of fuel to 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 feed off of. And then as it as it fades, you know the darkness slowly kind of closes in. Things get a little bit more scary, and then you know. If you want the fire to continue, you have to add more fuel to it. Okay. Is that the symbolism with why that game has bonfires? I'd say so, yes. That is a, a probably a huge part of, of just that, the whole fire uh, uh, symbolism. Okay. Now, bonfires are like the save points, right? Yeah, they're kind of little, little checkpoints. I remember every time I die, I come back at a bonfire. Right. Yes. So, when it comes to gameplay or mechanics, what's Dark Souls? It's a... Uh, 
I believe it's a you know, third person uh, RPG. Um, you have, uh, and this kind of also contributes to the story of Dark Souls. Is you have a, you have, a, you can, you have a, a lot of different ways you can play, uh, many different builds you can try, and that kind of goes on to making the character your own. A lot of times you won't know why you're in this place, and among you know, with you having a character that you've built and you you've you've grown. You kind of have to piece together your own reason for being in these places. And even in the storyline, it tells you you're going to be here, but you're not going to know why. You're just, you're drawn to this. Hmm. So you're, are you kind of a chosen one? Yes. You, in this game, you do play the chosen one. Oh, okay. And, and the game is generally regarded as tough as fucking nails, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I have been playing this game pretty well non-stop for for years and i i'm still terrible at it i am nowhere near what a speedrunner or anything like that would be i i suck but i love this i i love the game and the story so much that even as many times as i throw my controller across the room because of it i still love it and i still go back okay is so, it because you just like the world or you like the gameplay like i have I a hard time so getting well. hooked to it I, you know, uh, whenever I first, it took me a first couple of tries. Like I, it's you, you kind of you get into it the first time, and you just so you're playing the first one, and you get to that that first boss like pretty well right off the bat, and you're like, well, yeah, what? <laughs> All I have is this broken sword and this big gigantic demon that I have to fight, which is very uh, intimidating. Yeah, very that that's one of the important intimidating. So. You don't know what you're doing. You just got your you just got your ass trounced by this demon. You probably don't want to play it again because you that just seemed incredibly unfair. Yeah. But basically. after a while, you <laughs> yeah you come back and you look at it again, and you you see that there's a path off to the side from that demon. You're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just go run down there and see what's up. Well, you find start finding some equipment, find a little bit more uh, uh, items, and 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 you know kill some things to get your 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 uh, your confidence up pretty soon you're down there destroying that demon and now the game is kind of cool because now these doors these gigantic doors just opened up for you to see the entire world and then there's a gigantic crow and, and that, which, that's just badass which leads to more questions <laughs> so yes do you think that the world that the game itself just being really difficult is kind of what makes it like maybe you have to respect that it's just that hard in order to enjoy it. Maybe I that's think, where I'm missing the mark. I think the difficulty definitely adds. Now, uh, from software in any of their games in the past, even before Dark Souls, Demon Souls, they were not really known for mama coddling their their players at all. The uh, if you've ever played the Kingsfield series, that was the, that was their first uh, kind of RPGs like this. It was very much like Dark Souls, kind of very mazy. Uh, shit's bad. You are the person who has to solve these, and it's very tough and very unforgiving. But the atmosphere and everything that they create is just—it's so wonderful. And yeah, they're not letting don't, you, you get don't, away you, with you any. Think. Like you're gonna have to actually work for it. Like absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I really enjoy about Dark Souls is the fact that when you're out there doing all this really hard work. At the end, when you finally achieve something, it feels like you, you've really conquered a goal. Like you, you, you achieved it, and now you can move on to your next goal. And that, that's, that's something yeah. that a lot of games can't do very well. Like, oh, here's a boss. Oh, you beat that boss. That's fine. But did you have a hard time with the boss? Like, was it challenging? Yeah, uh, and Dark Souls definitely brings that challenge, and you feel rewarded after you finish it. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. After I killed the first boss, after trying for oh, I don't know, ten, twenty, thirty times, and then pretty sure I asked Justin what I'm supposed to be doing because I figured I was just doing it wrong. Oh, I remember why you did that. Did, oh, let's yeah, see, I, you didn't run past him the first time. I don't remember now. I think. I think it's something about, aren't you like up on a ledge and you got to jump down and you're supposed to use some ability or... Yeah, you're supposed to just uh, use a downward thrust as you fall to right. uh, inflict a lot of damage uh, right off the bat to the demon. Yeah. And then you can kind of whittle him down, which 
once you get your other weapon, he it, it's actually a very, a very cake compared to what you would have originally thought it would be. It's just yeah. they dump you into this thing. I felt wholly unprepared for a boss fight at that point of the game. Absolutely, and that's that's sort of the that really feels like the point is you. Yeah, and pretty much maybe like the maybe that's the entire you know basis of the game is you're very unprepared for this, yeah. and you are you are nothing in comparison to everything that's supposed to be around you. And I and... think that relates to pretty much the entirety of the game. It feels like yes. every challenge you go in feeling kind of unprepared because you're not you're you're not ready for what you, whatever yeah. boss or monsters that you have to fight and. Um, what that relates to a tabletop setting is I think if you ran a game in this setting, you'd have to keep your players on their feet all the time and throw them relatively hard challenges, right? You know, the good thing about doing a Dark Souls uh, tabletop game would be that in the in the lore, pretty well whoever lights the bonfire kind of has the, the ability to kind of push it in the, towards their vision. So with that being in the lore... Uh, you know, pretty well. Basically, you know, you whenever you create a world, you're basically doing that anyway. But now you can have Anolando or you know whatever Lothric, uh, whatever setting you want, or you can have a completely new setting that it could be completely related to nothing that's going on, and yet it can still very well maintain its its relevance in this universe because it came from it. Yeah, because you're 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 kind of making your own little slice out of that world that we haven't even seen yet. Right, and still, even with uh, and even with you know everything brand new, uh, like let's say in Dark Souls two, everything is it's uh, it's it's completely different from one and three. The world is, and yet it's still built on top of the old world, and the old bosses are well are reincarnated into new ones. So you could have the old bosses just as something completely new and something of your own uh, ingenuity. Your own imagination a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this raises the question to me, though. A lot of the times in playing D&D and things, we're pretty you know, liberal on what we let players get away with mm-hmm. just to make the game play a little... Maybe we need it to go a little faster that night or a little smoother. Or we need to progress to a certain point a little quicker. But... Then is the experience for the players really that great? Do they feel like they've actually achieved anything at the end of the session? Right. Does the world feel like it's actually a challenge to them, or is it just well? That's always been. Then you can go in and slay everything. That's really been. Uh, Maybe that's I... where Dark Souls really makes their point. Yeah, and with with any any kind of D and D campaign that you're making. You're always going to have is the are these fights too uh, too hard? Are these fights too 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 soft? Like, I've I've had campaigns where I've had to adjust in the middle, and I know Matt's had many campaigns where he's had to adjust things right off the fly because either we're you're shredding through them and things are not very fun, or you're just getting your players killed and they're not having fun, so you have to dial it back. And I think with Dark Souls, you'd have to you'd have to find that happy medium that's a little on the harder side, but without making it take forever to get through one fight. Yeah. So I think if, if we're building on a heart, on a dark souls RPG setting, you would need bosses with mechanics for one. And then generally your, your rank and file like encounters are going to have to be a little bit on the harder side and make the players think a little bit. So use a little bit more right. strategy on the DM side. Yes, the DM is, go- is really going to have uh, to be working hard to make this world work. Because that's, I think that's going to be the keeping the atmosphere, the tone, and the overall just stakes to winning and losing is going is going to be hard to, to maintain, especially in a in a game that's traditionally has no NPCs for you to really interact with that much. Yeah, but that really opens it up for you. Absolutely. So, uh, speaking of that, like you brought up tone. So what is the tone of Dark Souls? Like you said dark and gritty, but what 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 is what's some other things about it? 
Well, it really depends uh, on the perspective, I guess. Um, there are certainly beings in this world who don't really have a problem with what's going on, and that doesn't really seem to affect them. Uh, for probably 99% of the people who, uh, the beings that populate this world, probably very depressing, uh, very maddening, and overall just terrible. Okay. Uh, you have, you have, if if you're if you're a human or something with you know sentient uh, intelligence, your friends and your family, uh, everything around you is is turning pretty well into zombies. Yeah. So I've seen uh, human characters in, in, in Dark Souls, and they talk to you, and they're like, "Oh, you're hollowed. I don't I don't know what that like like they're kind of like stay away from me or." Like, we feel sorry for you. So what does that actually mean? Like, what, what are they adjusting to? So it's, uh, every time, uh, it's, uh, over time, uh, as you have, you have this curse of undying, you, you, you slowly begin to lose your sanity. You forget who you are and you just, you, you become, you're becoming something non, uh, unhuman. You're, you're either, you're either going to, become a zombie or some somebody that you love or is close to is probably going to kill you when they turn um so in the original if you, uh let's say the first one you had uh you have these things called humanity which uh if you use it it uh you stop becoming uh you see you you go back to your human form which is just you know a normal person like, like me and you uh but if you die you start to kind of start looking ugly and the more you the more you die let's say in number three the uglier you kind of get the more your skin starts kind of cracking and turning pale and basically just gray and ugly oh okay so so if you were going to okay so th let's think of it in the back into the rpg tabletop settings so the whole deal is about like if if you die in dark souls you get reborn so what kind of campaign would you like to set? See, rather. So, would you like to see if the like really hard campaign that, that if the players get wiped, they just kind of respawn, but with these negative effects, or would you rather it's would, would like what would you like to see? Maybe a. I don't know because I think you'd have to. I think you'd have to to talk about what kind of effects that you would you would like to see now in. In Dark Souls, there doesn't seem to be any effects negatively towards your stats. In fact, uh, for for some things being going hollow or becoming more towards hollow, uh, start kind of helps uh, your some of your abilities. Um, so I think you'd have to decide in in this world what does hollowing mean? Do you start losing intelligence? Do you do you, oh, okay. do you start kind of do you mess with stats at that point, or is it more of a physical uh, thing, or maybe I mean you just it have would a definitely on... affect your charisma, right? I would say so. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Unless unless the world is just used to seeing people like this, I guess kind of like ghouls and Fallout. How yeah. how how common are those? Okay, so yeah, that would be kind of neat to where you know playing D and D or your other flavor of tabletop and when characters die you actually have you know have a respawn mechanic type but coming back as you know further each death has some form of effect on your next life yeah, yeah. like speaking with the uh like the hollowed kind of thing is it would be kind of neat like I, f I feel like this is going to be a really hard campaign so i would probably tell my players to build about like three to five characters so that they can, uh, as, as they like go maybe into true death that they can rotate in a new character. Yeah. You could do that. Um, I, how many, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to maybe have a, a mechanic, you know, like what, what you're saying, you know, have a different character swap out after so many times of maybe dying for per character, like, you know, and Dark Souls, you can come back as many times as you want, but that's you know that's because they want you to to play the game. Yeah, it's it's a video game, and we can change yeah. the rules of that you know, on a tabletop yeah. RPG. So, I would like to see in one, you know, maybe you get a couple of respawns with that character, or you know, however many you feel is fair, 
and then you can uh, you can switch to a to a different character. Maybe like things kind of maybe maybe time passes or something, and you, and, you know something new happens. Okay. And settings becomes kind of new. Uh, but as a as a someone who who DMs a lot, what do you? How would you feel to know that you could kind of have a uh, have more leniency with killing people or killing your own players? Would you? <laughs> well, would you yeah. From some. How would that, you handle that? Yeah, I don't. I don't kill players very often. Uh, it's no. it's kind of a rarity. I almost have to work with the player if they're just not having fun with their character. Then we can kind of work in and out for them. But uh, with Dark Souls, I mean. Yeah, like just throwing out like very difficult tactical oriented fights is something that I would personally really like because I'm a I'm a you know an, a war gamer as well. So throwing out those tactics with uh, mechanics and stuff like that is something that might be a little bit refreshing on my end. Yeah, make the players work for it. I guess would be yeah, but but reward them like they would exactly, also have to be yeah. getting cool rewards too. Hmm. So, um, speaking of that, I think we're talking a lot about like the the destroyed version of the Dark Souls world. So, what do we know about like the prosperous times? Well, to talk about that, we have to sort of go back to the beginning, and we won't spend a lot of time. Like that could take days. Uh, basically, uh, before things happened. Uh, there were dragons, uh, eternal dragons that just kind of hung out uh, in with a lot of really tall trees. And then uh, one day, uh, fire was found. And okay, great, uh, so we're talking like primitive, uh, like humans. Very, uh, primitive beings, I guess, would be closer because you've got the you've ha- you got a couple of different races, kind of. Uh, you have the the god the people who are basically giant gods uh, who found you know the majority of the, of the souls. Uh, then I guess you would compare to them. I guess you would have the pygmies, which would be humans, but in comparison to giants, we are pygmies, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and they found the fourth soul, uh, the fourth great soul, which would be the dark soul. Okay. No. Well, uh, explain about these souls. You brought those up. So what? What, when, how do you find a soul, or what is the soul? Um, I think that they found them in in flame, and when the first, when whenever they found flame, they they found these four souls, and so that's how the uh, the four lords gained their power. Uh, Gwen became uh, he he harnessed the power of lightning, and he raised uh, he basically cre- started creating a a world for himself and uh, people and armies. And they went to fight the dragons. Then you had uh, you had the other uh, one of the other lords, uh, Nito. He uh, he's the mass, He is pretty well. His domain is death. And uh, then you'd have uh, the uh, the witch of Osleth, who she controls necromancies. And then you had the fur of pygmy, uh, which is humans. And they got <laughs> darkness. Pygmies. Yeah. Basically, basically pygmies, I guess in comparison. In comparison, yeah. So yeah. It, so when they found these souls, did they basically like ascend to godhood, or? I would say that that's basically what. Yeah, they it gave them their power. And I guess, yeah, it gave them it gave them the power to be able to start life and time and a universe and physics and because it, with just the eternal dragons really there was no time there was no nothing really there except just a bunch of dragons doing i guess nothing um you don't really know what i don't really know what happened during those times there's not really a lot that covers that yeah there's not a lot of recorded history i'm guessing yeah um so at the the four lords they destroy uh they they win the they win the war against the eternal dragons very few of them exist. Uh, every once in a while, I guess one pops up in a game. So, is this after they uh, like started their civilization, or did they just get super powerful and it's like those dragons need to die? I imagine it took them some time to be able to master the powers, grow their armies, you know, create their own subjects. Uh, I imagine that t- that took a little bit of time. To which I think that the the dragons would give them that time, since time is meaningless to them. That so, is true. That would be like a quick nap or something, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, if you're an Eternal Dragon who nothing in the world, nothing has ever challenged you before in your entire life, what do you care? What, these you're not things aren't probably anything to. No, you're especially not expecting one of your own to betray you to, uh, and and tell your uh, your secrets to the enemy, and now they know how to kill you. Oh, is that what happened? Yes, there's a there's a uh, dragon, and it's uh, it's been around in even Kingsfield. It's called Seath the Scaleless, which in Kingsfield I believe he was a kind of a good dragon, but in Dark Souls uh, lore, he's a, he's very bad. He he was one of the he he is one of the dragons who does not have eternal life, and because he does not have dragon scales, and so, uh, hence his name, he betrays his uh, the secrets to killing the dragons to uh, to Gwen and his armies, which is lightning. Uh, if they don't have it destroys their scales, and if they don't have their scales, they lose their immortality Ooh. and they become very vulnerable. Oh, and uh, so with with their scales and everything, you know, tore apart. Uh, miasmas of death and fire and everything can start hurting them now, and so they eventually win and they build their uh, their kingdoms on top of the arch trees that the that the dragons used to live in, and now they continue and then they just continue to kind of spread out. Everybody, uh, all four lords, kind of had their own little place to to call their home. Did the four lords um, uh, like each other? Did they get along? I'd say so. I'd, I'd say that they, they knew that each other were very necessary. Okay. So, in the time of uh, prosperity, what what happens in those times? Um, again, not a lot of recorded history uh, during that. You do have a few things that, that happen. Um, you have something called the, the spread of the abyss, which is basically what we as humans uh have we we are chaos and so born from humanity is a being called manis who is the just the absolute entity that is chaos and darkness and his corrupt and the corruption from from that begins to spread and so kind of i guess maybe the first one well one of the first kind of cracks in the wall of their society is they make a place called New Londo, which I th- uh, I think was a city that was kind of built below Anor Londo for people who wanted to live in uh, in a city but were just not as good, uh, maybe a lower class. Okay. And so that is kind of where the abyss started to be born. And so they uh, a lot of a lot of corruption started happening, and they had to eventually drown the entire town. Oh shit. In what? Yeah, they had to drown everybody, and the whole place looks like a lake whenever you first arrive. Um, and the people who live there now live as ghosts uh, who just inhabit the the ruins of uh, of New Londo. So that's kind of like you know your your first bad thing that really happened there was was that kind of thing started happening. Now you've just got to now like just imagine like part of our town is now underwater. We killed a whole lot of people just to keep something inside. That kind of sucks. It uh, does. Don't know what you do about that, but there it is. Um, and so then, you know, I've, uh, they, I think they kind of start seeing the the end of prosperous times around that point. And then uh, Gwen, uh, once this curse really starts taking over and things become very ugly, Gwen commits the first sin and relights the flame using his own body to keep his era going. Okay, so, so he burned himself alive. Literally burns himself. Uh, that yes, that is exactly yes. You burn yourself alive on the fire on the uh, the first fire to rekindle it. Okay, <laughs> just, just to keep like the golden age going. Yes, all the all your. Uh, I guess I think it really depends on how powerful of a person you are that really extends it. Um, huh. And That's crazy. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> so. In running a campaign in the Prosperous Psalm, what kind of things could we think about there? I think uh, it it could be pretty well up to you, uh, up to whatever you want. Is there during the good times when you're not seeing this this curse? Uh, is everybody getting along? What kind of little squabbles are happening uh, between maybe the the monarchy, the churches, you know, uh, anything like that? You know, oh maybe there's a some some monsters and, and there's definitely demons in this world as uh, and yeah I think you so 
you could almost run a pretty typical like a D and D or Pathfinder RPG during the the prosperous times. But would it be? Is there a constant like background tension of hey, we have to keep these good times going? Do we need to be careful? Would... Are you worried about it? I would say the the it would really depend because now in most times uh, that you can see that there's you know some sort of recorded history there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people who are really concerned about that and maybe yeah. it's a little known thing to everybody that this is how the world actually works and so only and like even, the the top clergy or the leaders know that that like the end times could happen or or they've begun right. Or maybe they could be just a legend uh, to everybody, and like we have yeah, our own yeah, legends, and we don't. The and, end is nigh sign. Like nobody believes that person. Yeah, it could be. It could be any number of those things. It could be a very well known thing, uh, or it could be a, a little known thing that only you know the top monarchy clergy know. Ooh, okay. And, yeah, like, yeah, and that's. I think that's it. Just depends again on how you want to to start that the the, the cycle that your game is currently in. Yeah. So when we're talking cycles, <clears throat> like does every cycle happen the same way? So like you no, said that not. the that the city was flooded. So does it get flooded every cycle? Like is that like just destiny? No. Okay. So it could happen no. in a different way each time? Yeah, absolutely. It could happen the way I the way I interpret it is you may not even have a new Londo. You could have, you may not even have an Anor Londo pop up. You may have a, a completely new place pop up with its own story, with its, uh, with its own cast of gods and everything. Well, but how does the cycle end? Gonna, like, how, how does it restart? With, the, uh, with someone relighting the bonfire. Oh. So the bonfire yeah, so has to go out first. The bonfire, not necessarily. Now, if the bonfire goes out, then you have a, you have a whole new little little thing to contend with that not a lot of people are i don't i don't i don't think there's a lot of understanding of what it means to uh for the age of dark to happen because we see uh we see in dark souls 3 where it kind of where it happens which leads me to believe in my own opinion that it creates a uh that if you don't like the bonfire it creates the age of dark which is the age of man where we don't have gods anymore we have us which I, and it kind of creates a more uh, universe that you and I and Swanger would probably be more familiar with. Oh, like okay. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it could. An age of dark could eventually lead to a, a, civil, a civilization where we are right now, with cars and everything else. Who oh. knows? Well, if an age of dark happens, could someone still rekindle the bonfire? Absolutely. The, uh, you, there is always a spark. Uh, it just takes someone to light it, and they have to give themselves to the bonfire to light that spark, huh? Yes. Okay. So you could, so we could basically make a whole campaign about getting someone to the bonfire to like relight it. Absolutely, you could. Um, I would. I think it would be. Uh, it's very dependent on what kind, on how how powerful the person is. What, how how effective bur- uh, killing the fire uh, is, because throughout the game you find souls on corpses of other undead who are also trying to light the fire. You're not the only one who's trying to do it. Oh, you're just the one who's going to do it. But n- nobody knows that you are. Well, in some games, nobody knows that you are truly the 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 one who's going to do it. But there's a lot of them who are going to try. So you have and a lot so, of people that's just been like, well, look at this. This is another scrub, right? So yeah. whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Nobody knows who it's going to be till they're there doing it. Like, you, yeah. They can call you the chosen one, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the one to do it. Right. Now, in Dark Souls 3, it gets a little bit more murky. Uh, you are actually probably the third string person to go do that. You are you are bottom of the barrel. Please, this is a hail mary. This has to work. Person to do this because the age of dark would have happened if you didn't do it, right? Yes, because that uh, they uh, the other gods were brought back, uh, or the other people who have, who had lit, lit the bonfire in the past 
uh, were brought back to light the bonfire again. And they were like, uh, no, we're not doing that. That It sucks to be burned alive, especially for eternity, so we're not doing it again. Oh, so they become enemies to your character? Yes, because they don't want the, they don't want it lit either. They it's they're they're kind of I guess they're kind of tired of it as well. I mean, after being burnt for eternity, I feel like I wouldn't care about what was going on with the rest of the world either. You know? Yeah. So they're kind of they're kind of tainted by the whole thing, and plus the curse is going on, so they're not exactly willing to help you. Uh, the person who was originally meant for the job was uh, uh, the prince. He has no interest in being. Lit on fire. Yeah, you no, end no. up killing him in that game. Yes, you have to kill him and to take his soul to make it happen. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, like, like sometimes I look at bosses in Dark Souls and I kill them and I don't know the ramifications of what I've done because <laughs> I just didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to gather their souls uh, to you know open up the the way to the the one true bonfire. That's going to to do this because it's 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 heavily guarded. It's by you know a thousand different things. Um, most a, a lot of times for different reasons, uh, and it varies from from game to game. Uh, the first one is just it's just you know very hard to get to, and it's just guarded. I think for you know game sake. But number two, it's really uh, the throne and uh, and the bonfire are really protected simply for the fact that the the king doesn't want the queen to ascend to the throne because she is darkness and chaos uh, reborn. So the type of person that relights the flame has an effect on the world that create? Because they can, they can shape it. They, um, so I guess the only thing that we really have to, to come close to the experience of lighting the bonfire is I believe his name is called Ludlith and he was, uh, he's a Lord of Cinder, uh, which means he lit the, uh, he lit the, the fire in the past he comes back in number three and if you if you're hanging around him while he's in a certain spot and he's sleeping he has a nightmare about about uh linking the flame and uh, or killing the flame he has a nightmare about it where he's being burned alive and you get to kind of hear him beg and plead for them for the pain to stop and that's about as close as we as to the experience that we can get of what happens when you link the 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 fire hmm. but i think uh but yeah you the person who links it has a lot to do with what happens in the world next okay so even though you're given your whole body and soul and you're getting basically tormented for a long 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 time you get to reforge the world in your image i think if if i'm if if I'm thinking of it right, you you may yeah you get a large you get a say so and and kind of how things go it it may continue things may not change immediately uh, it may take a very long t- uh, time for for maybe this kingdom to fall and you know other things to happen but yeah eventually the cycle continues uh, as a new one and all the old souls are reborn and there's always going to be the reincarnations uh there's always going to be that some things won't change but they will definitely but they they'll be different but their souls will still be the same this is a complicated world this is very it is very complicated. complicated you couldn't you couldn't fit everything into an hour of this uh <laughs> there's just there's no way and a lot of what i'm saying could be interpreted very very wrong so it is it is up to a lot of interpretation how the story goes well, Swanger, do you have any questions for Justin? No, that definitely... I'm enlightened more as to what is going on with the Dark Souls world. That's not anything near what I thought was going on. Well, um, what did you think was going on? I just assumed I was some undead thing trying to get back to life. Hmm, kind of. <laughs> and in a roundabout way, yeah, but not really. Yeah. There's just a lot more to it than, than just... You're just trying to make it out. You're, you're not for your. You're, I'm not just doing it for myself. Yeah. It's yeah. Not. You're not doing it because you're cloud strife, uh, most awesome thing that ever walked the earth. Right. Well, what do you find the most unique things about Dark Souls, like the world or the gameplay? What What's the most unique thing for you? For who? Me? Uh, either. You can uh, answer that one first, Longer, if you'd like. I guess for me, just 
you know, like I said, if I haven't played a lot, I've got maybe a couple hours into it, and it truly was a, a different experience than anything else I've played. It Nothing has ever thrown... I compare it... Did you ever play a Tomb Raider game when you were really young, before you could really understand the concept of figuring out the puzzles and what ledge to jump to? Or It's yeah, that kind like... of difficulty, but as an adult, because there's... There is a way to do every fight. There is a way to pass every obstacle. But you have to figure that out. Yeah, it's almost like a little always, puzzle it's game. It's not just handed to you. There's no little yellow flashing marker on the map telling you what to do. Yeah, there's no weak spot flashing yeah. on the enemy. And that's that's a unique concept, which is kind of strange. I mean, I feel like when you think about it, we're babied by most games these days telling us where to go, what to do. Yeah, I mean, we had Doom Eternal literally telling us uh, what to do to kill the next thing that just popped yeah. up. And it's not... Good game, by the way. It's not a hack and slash, really, although it, sometimes it does feel like it. It It's a hack and slash that can become very, very bad for you very quickly if you treat it like a hack and slash. Yeah. Yeah. The weakest enemy in the game can kill you at the highest levels. Yeah. Yeah. Each enemy takes a little bit of thought, a little bit of planning... Yeah, like, and the, there's a billion ways you can do it too. And like, this all just it, has me thinking that I would love to play a D and D where we are the bad guys trying to light the flame to forge our world of evil and hatred, and instead of being the good guy for once, trying to bring the light. Yeah, like like be doing it in a spiteful, selfish way. Yeah. Or would you even need to light the fire? To, uh, to have that world what if what if you brought on the age of darkness and you right. rolled that i say that could yeah there's, there's so many different things that we could do for the dark souls i think it's a solid solid world a bit confusing but very very solid i just yeah, like the, the difficulty of it and being able to rethink fights and set up ambushes and knowing that your players know that it's going to be a difficult, a difficult world to live in is another layer of that too. Right. That raises the question to me, like, honestly, in all this comparison, it still has me thinking, you know, how do you make a D and D world this difficult to where it's still fun for the players and they have the ability to react to events in their own manners, you don't want to force them in any direction naturally. Yeah, but how do you make it this hard and accommodating at the same time? I think it comes down to um, low amount of magical items or resources, like 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 kind of being like, hey, you need to use these things. You right. don't need a backpack full of potions. Oh god, I can't. You got to remember use them. the amount of times I've had magical items that never got used just because, you know. Oh, we didn't need them, or I was never thinking. Oh gosh, I better. This could be a difficult one. What what method can I go about this fight to really make something happen? Yeah, I think you have to build encounters where your players have to use what they have and mm -hmm. have mechanic fights because most right. players are just like, oh well, it's going to walk up and it's going to bite me twice and slight me and like. Swipe at me once, because that's what this creature does. But yeah. instead, have the boss think and have mechanics and think of it in a tactical way, in which some DMs have have struggles with that. You know, that takes me back to one of my favorite things of playing D&D with you guys. I, I like playing as a player. That's fun. I don't like DMing. I like being... I think I played almost as an NPC for you in a few scenarios yeah, to where I, I was actually playing the boss-type character. I was playing the NPC. I was rolling the dice for that character to make the fight more real, almost. Yeah, it felt way more real on the table because now it's a player playing against other players. It's not just like a monster. It's somebody who has its, his, you know, its own thoughts and... Right. Wants and needs and goals. That that was honestly the most fun I ever had playing D and D. I think because you get to play something new every few minutes almost, and it, it you almost got to improv a lot of things. Like I never knew your whole world. I never knew the whole story. 
but you basically hand me a character like oh suddenly i'm the store owner at this archery shop or, yeah i remember co-dming with you that was really good that was good help things kind of kind of flow i felt like yeah and uh but to have a hard world like that where bosses have mechanics, yeah, I don't think that would be a terrible idea. Now, sure, I'm biased because I enjoyed it, but it's probably not a bad idea. Like having someone else behind the scenes a little bit, especially if your DM isn't very tactically minded. Uh, that having someone that is tactically minded at the table to play an NPC isn't a bad thing, and that can go a lot of different ways, like. Maybe I'm not rolling my own dice for damage. Let the DM decide that. So if they need to not murder someone with one hit, then they can spoof their numbers a little, you know. But at the end of the day, if you're going to make a world like this where it's actually going to be difficult and thought out, I don't know, how much leniency do you have? What do you what do? Yeah. You do? That, that comes down to uh, just playing it. See, like, like maybe make the first couple encounters a little bit easier than what you're ex- actually expecting, and mm-hmm. then gradually build it up. Uh, or go in just like tough as nails. Just the boss shows up, just fucks up the party, so you can get kind of uh, a, an idea of how, how how powerful something needs to be. Or to right. show your char- your players. That you're not fucking around. They need to use the tools that you give them. Then as a player, in a world like this, I'm going to have to feel really connected. Like something about this world really going to have to pull me in to where when I get killed, I'm not just going to feel defeated and, oh, this isn't fun. And Right. It, it, would, it would really take some, some dedication to this world on the, the builder's part to... Really make it enticing, make it worth coming back for. And so, what makes Dark Souls worth coming back for to you, Justin? Why do you keep going back to it when I couldn't? Well, I think I, I can answer a lot. I can I can add to a lot of these conversations uh, with with the fist. Um, it, it talks about mechanics, uh, why I, I keep coming back, why you as a player would care in a D and D session, and kind of sits with the tone of this. It's a fight call, uh, with, in Dark Souls 3 called Yorm the Giant. Uh, you have, uh, he, he was a, a really nice roar who, uh, he, gave, uh, he gave the humans and his best friend a weapon that would kill him if he, ever went, if, we, if he ever went hollow. And eventually he did. And you become very attached uh, to um, uh, Secret of Katarina, I believe, uh, who's on this quest to kill his, his friend. Because he's uh, he he promised him that he would, and so it's a really sad fight that you're you're having to you're having to, to help right. this man kill his best friend, huh. and, and on the on a from mechanic standpoint, you can't really hurt Yorm. You can you have to you have to grab the sword that he uh, that he left behind to uh, to use a, a specific power that the sword has to kill him because it's the uh, there's only two swords that can you have one at this point. And Seaward has one, and so you have to use those swords to kind of to, to to keep him stunned, so you can kill him. And at the end of that fight, uh, Seaward, with his job being done, you know he's he's fought just as hard as you have to get to this point. He he died. You 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 walk away from him, and every time that you've seen him thus far, and you walk away from him, he's sleeping. He falls asleep after giving you you know an ale or something to celebrate your victory with. As you walk away, you hear a death sound, and you see your soul uh, meter go up. You now have his, you now have his soul because as you were leaving, he committed suicide behind you. Ooh. And that's that kind of storytelling without actually flat out telling me what just happened. That's that's something that doesn't happen in video games a lot. That's that's a subtlety that that's yeah. forging the narrative. Like that's yeah, that's that's something that your Gears of War is never going to have. That's something that Call that Call of Duty is never going to have. I don't think. because it's subtle. Yeah. Like it's not. It's very in your subtle. face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whenever yeah you're walking away from your uh, from somebody that you, you I mean even if it is a video game character you kind of you know you've got to know him you enjoy the character the personality you think he's funny whatever and now this dude just killed himself behind you and you're like fuck so that building sucks. relationships kind of. Yeah. 
the character gives the player a sense that their character is part of this world is connected to it and in turn the player feels connected to the world yeah and that's something you know i don't i don't think in a D game i've ever felt connected to any part of the world that way i've never felt that somebody in that world needed me truly so a lot of that comes with when we when you were playing actively in the group we might have it's been a while and uh, my DMing skills have definitely improved over the years. And I, th- I think that you would like to play in one of my campaigns nowadays. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Because it is very much like narrative play. And I think Justin can even tell you that. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's some games where you don't even see combat, but there's there's still something to do. Like you're doing something with your checks or... Something, you know, you're just progressing a story, but you're part of the story. And it, even though you're not just going through a dungeon and killing something, you're still having a great time because it's kind of, you know, some... It's kind of fleshing out the story as to why you're in this uh, catacomb or why you're in this dungeon to begin with. Yeah. And as a, as a DM, if you can find a way to make exposition fun, then you've, you've, you're a good storyteller. Yeah. And that is something that Dark Souls doesn't have much of, is exposition. And I th- no. think bringing a game in the Dark Souls universe with a little ex- exposition, with goals and, and things like that in the mind, would be a, a really fantastic thing to do. And I think it would be a good world for it. Yeah. I, because you could make your own, right? Yeah. You you have a, you have a little bit of a cookie-cutter idea that you could work with. Uh, you know, you have the, the whole overarching story that you could work with. Or you could just basically ignore the piss out of it. Yeah, and make it your own. Yeah, there's, there's a, you, Dark Souls would need to be involved in it just as much as you needed to be. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and end right there. I think that was a really fun look, deep dive into what the Dark Souls is. So these episodes are going to be kind of like .5 episodes. So they're going to be in between our main lines. Uh, we're going to be going over many other worlds in the future. We're going to talk about um, some of them that are in my docket. We're going to talk about Final Fantasy VI's world. We're going to talk about Halo. Uh, we're going to talk about World of Warcraft as a world, which that one might have end up being like a two- or three-parter. And, uh, yeah, so check back with, for the .5 episodes. And, uh, as of course, thanks for listening uh, I'm Matt. I'm Justin. <laughs> that's Justin, and that's Swanger, and we're the Groundbreakers. So let's go break some ground, guys. Thanks. <laughs>